Hi, this is Jim Chambers with Jim Chambers Music Box. You are listening to Rock at Night. This is Sharice with Rock at Night, and we are here with Jim Chambers of Jim Chambers Music Box here in Tampa, Florida. Hello, Jim. Hey, how are you doing, Sharice? Tell me, what is Jim Chambers Music Box, and how long have you been here? Jim Chambers Music Box is the finest music academy on the planet. We're a learning facility based in Carrollwood, uh, Tampa, Florida. We teach all instruments, bass, guitar, singing, band formation. Um, we've been here three years in this location. We recent, well, this three years this July 2018. We'll mark three years that we're in this location, which is uh, right off Gun Highway. So you're kind of like a school of rock, I would say. Well, we we are in what that means. Uh, they are a competitor of ours, so we don't reference School of Rock. But we do teach young persons to form rock bands. We stay together. We make records. We do photo shoots. So our band formation class is a bit more robust. Um, so band formation is a uh, important uh, component to the box. Most of your students, what what is the age category that you deal with? Oh, gosh. Well, the student body uh, ages in range from three, we have a three-year-old, to 70. Uh, I, t- I have a 70-year-old drum student. For the bands, it, it really does vary. We have, you know, we all, we have to keep them somewhat of the same age and same ability level. So one of our bands is 16, 17. One of them are 12, 13, 14. So we typically have one in each. Right now I have a seven, eight-year-old band, which is just super. And then, as I mentioned, 12, 14, and then a 16, 18. It's interesting about the 70-year-olds. So you deal with adults as well. I mean, maybe somebody wants to, you know, or like a retired person, go back and pick up an instrument. All day long. Yeah, often our lunch, they we have students that are adults that come on their lunch break. So 12 to 2 o'clock, it's filled with adults. And um, I would say we have at least uh, 15, 16 adult students that come every week. So the idea, most of the students come here because they want to meet other students and form a band. The whole dream thing is kind of, you know, the purpose. Well, let me say, sort of. um, We were voted uh, band incubator by Creative Loafing last year. So there are more than a couple students per month do come through seeking only band formation. So they're looking specifically for that. Most others do come through the door looking to learn an instrument. Um, But once they've been here six, eight months, ten months, and they're really excelling, um, we're always looking to, it's almost like a farm team for our bands. Um, So, yeah, we're always looking at students and asking them, not pushing, but sort of angling them towards uh, bands. Yes. What are some of the bands that you've worked with? Well, here at the Boxer throughout career. 
let's talk here at the box, and then we want to find out a little bit about your background. Um, well, here in Tampa, let's see. I'll go back. We started with a long way from Kansas, who did quite well. They won Battle of the Bands in Tampa. Um, Sunday Secret was an act that we made a record. It's on YouTube. Extra Celestial was an all-female group that did quite well. They were featured on the cover of Creative Loafing. Uh, Inkblot, we made a record together, EP. Um, Sick Hot is a current act that I'm working with that uh, gigs out quite often. We're going to make a record with Sean Kyle, who's a local producer in Tampa, in mid-August, which is a big deal for us. Um, also, I'm working with Favorite Habit, who's a great act, um, young, that are just really come together as a band. I can't wait to really expose them to Tampa. Um, so, gosh, that's seven. And then I have another two others that are unnamed, um, but really explosive students that are ready to just pop and they come from these other bands some of these bands they often graduate or go to college so like a long way from kansas they've been in college two years now well those the the remnants of that the younger guys that were in the band are all forming bands here at the box so it all comes full circle and it's like our own little uh swimming pool of bands and i do think it will i'm gonna I'm going off uh, off rail here, but uh, this will, we're creating culture and it will affect the music culture here in Tampa in the next decade to two decades. So do you do kind of a full service deal when, when these bands form? Do you help get them gigs or get the word out there and, and groom them essentially? Yes, with, when they signed up, when the band is formed and they're in the guise of the band formation pr program and myself, you get me as a manager. Well, <laughs> I do all manage all management uh, responsibilities from social media, grooming, sure, uh, repertoire, um, photo shoots, um, immediately talking about original material, writing, um, look, how you look on stage, how you perform, how you entertain. All of those things are covered from day one. And um, it's great. I love doing it. It's a bubble that uh, I'm comfortable living in. So it's really the full package. It's not just the craft of learning an instrument. It's it's everything that goes around the industry. And you've been in the industry for a while. So let's talk about that. Uh, how did you get here to Tampa? And what is your background? <laughs> well, I keep giggling. Uh, one, because it's uh, interesting to talk about yourself. but And I'm not accustomed to it. But uh it's a long story, but I don't know how brief you would like me to be, Sharice. Um, I'll, I'll just start running, and you uh, tell me when to stop. I was born in New York, um, and then Dad was an IBM guy, so we moved a bit. We went from New York to Raleigh, and then I went to high school in Tampa. Um, all throughout that time, I mean, I was a full-blown music junkie as a kid. I was the guy that made cassettes for the girls, slipped them in the locker, and we were talking earlier that I used to go to the record store and write down the producer's names and who played drums and who's on bass of records. That's what I used to do. So I, I had this just yearning to understand how this all worked and as a young guy. So as I got to Tampa, I went to high school at Chamberlain High School and then straight to college, I went to Valdosta State. Um, I got a degree in business. Everything I focused on in college, I would 
steer towards music, whether it was a paper I had to write, I would write a paper on IRS records. If it was a public speaking thing, um, I would talk about a band and how they formed. You know, so everything, I purposely kind of created that for myself. I don't know, because I was interested. I, you know, it's like, if I have to go research something, let's go look at that up on the microfiche. So, shout out to microfiche. So, there I was, um, post-college, I'm like, what am I going to do? At the time, networking was a concept that, was new and was still malleable. Like I could go to a record store, say Wax and Facts in Atlanta and say, I knew that person. Say, hey, do you know anybody that at Chris List or the big record label? Certainly enough, they did. And I would, I would call the guy at Chris List and say, hey, Danny said I could come talk to you. I worked my way into a couple branch managers office, uh, specifically Universal, Capital, EMI. I got into their office, I was in a briefcase and a suit looking like a chump green guy right out of college. Not rock and roll at all. But I would get information from them. If I can't get into record world, record label world, what do I do? All of them said, just go to retail. And I'm like, okay, sure enough, you know, retail, I hadn't really worked in retail. My high school jobs were either playing drums or delivering pizza, it was always easier. So uh, I meet with the labels, I go into retail. In Atlanta, I was in Atlanta at this point. In Atlanta, there was a chain store called Turtles. Some of them were in Florida too. Pretty large record store chain. I went into their management trainee program. I go in, I learn. Before I know it, I'm a third key in a record store north of Atlanta in Roswell, Georgia. So there I was <laughs> managing a record store for a couple of years. Uh, in that record store, all record reps from Warner Brothers, EMI, every polygram on and on electra enigma everybody would come there and hang displays or make displays at record stores they're called merchandisers i that was the biggest dreamiest job i could ever imagine there i was behind the reg ringing up you know oh it wasn't oasis records ringing up alice and chains records and uh the warner brothers up there hanging posters boy i envied that person so sure enough every one of those reps i befriended I spoke to them, and uh, there was a small indie in Atlanta called Sky Records, and Sky had some cool acts on it, and some of which were so important at the time. I was in Atlanta, and Athens, Georgia was a real hot spot for music. Sky Records had the Flat Duo Jets, which is a desert island band for me, Lava Love, Insane Jane, The Swans, Jazz Butcher, all these cool records, and I was able to get a job in the mailroom. I was thrilled. Amy Ray was part owner of this label. She saw me in the mailroom, said, put that kid on the phone. He talks too much. Here I go. So they put me on the, on the phone. I call every record store in the, on the planet for three years straight. So all of a sudden, I have a skill set. I can speak, and I can talk to record stores, and essentially, I'd call them, hey, I would call all these guys down here, Vinyl Fever, Daddy Cool. I've known Tony since 1993. Um, yada yada shout out to daddy cool um, all the, that was my job I would call every record store make sure they had inventory make posters tour support do some regional advertising well I got fired from Sky no big whoop <laughs> uh, I was young I was just kicking butt thinking everything was amazing um, I left Sky um, I was desperately looking for uh, a, another record job 
And from there, um, Sony BMG hired me. I really worked my way into that branch. I knew all the players involved and was able to get that job. Hint, just for the record, it was all who I knew at this point. It was not a, you know, answering an online ad. I get into BMG Sony. I get the job. They're like, by the way, you got to move to Miami for the job. So I go to Miami. I'm a field marketing merchandiser rep. I get to hang Weird Al posters and TLC and just all these titles. I mean, Ace of Base. <laughs> I could tell you so many times. We were breaking pop acts like crazy. Um, Ace of Base was huge. Uh, Tony Braxton, TLC, anything on LaFace, anything on Arista. Uh, especially in the Miami market, we were killing it. My accounts were Specs Music and Peaches, and I was down there shoveling records into those stores. Um, they moved me back to Atlanta. I got a promotion. I was a product development coordinator, which is a regional marketing guy. It's a big step for me. So all of Sony's alternative artists, anything on their alternative roster, uh, I would devise and implement marketing plans regionally. So Atlanta South, I got the whole place. I'm, a, I'm, I'm wheeling deal. I got white hair. I'm doing punk rock records and I'm marketing them. I love what I'm doing and it's going great. We're working bands like Self and Tool. Dave Matthews was certainly in the mix. I was a big part of that. Um, we were working Outcast Records, some crossover products, um, yada, yada. So having a ball, got fired from that job. Oh my gosh, can't really go into the details, but boy, it was, it, it really, it, this, the long story of that is it was political and it was nuts and I had no idea about it until recently when a branch manager told me the whole story. But that's a whole nother, a whole nother track. I'm still in Atlanta. I don't have a job. It's the Olympics. What am I going to do? 1996. New York calls. It's Sire Hybrid Records. They need a national director of sales. I have that skill set. I've called every record store on the planet for five years at this point and marketed in the South. So... National Director of Sales, I moved to New York City, I'm the happiest guy on earth. I get a place in Brooklyn, it was $1,100. I was stoked. Um, I worked for that company, we broke Guster, I worked Art Garfunkel, Mike Errico. Um, not major hits, we did a lot of PBS Broadway products, specialty um, releases that sold plenty of records, but they were more on the Broadway PBS tip. Uh, we sold a lot of things through IFC, like an alternative sampler for IFC's indie films. A lot of specialty products. Um, but that was really a learning curve for me. I had to run it all. Um, whether it's marketing, the library, that's a whole other subject too. But that particular job was very sales specific, marketing new markets, developing new business channels. And it was great. I was there seven years. I wanted out because it was just what it was. That company also did Woodstock, which was lit on fire. Uh, so they, they had an adjunct record label. So there we were. Um, I was really looking around for another job. A small label had been courting me for about a year. And at that time, record executives had contracts. And courting means they really liked what I was doing and was watching some of the moves I made. And so that continued. I, I, took a job with Octone Records. Um, they had a band called Maroon. Maroon sounded okay. I didn't love it, but it was passable. And this is sort of on the tail end of boy bands. The last thing I wanted to hear was that. However, this boy band could play their instruments and they were pretty handsome. So I took a job at Octone Records. I was VP of sales um, and marketing. 
We broke Maroon 5. That was my sole focus for two years straight. Um, Songs about Jane um, was worked to radio. Oh, my gosh. Endless campaign there. Was able to break the act and cross it over to Jay. It was Jay Rex. Jay and RCA had a a upstream deal where we would take a band to a certain level and then we would upstream it to the big boys like time to turn over this project to the to the million dollar guys so that was j records j records took that record to stratosphere and um that job ended Uh, we were contracted that job ended i was not rehired it was a big shock i was upset i was you know i won two grammys with that project um you know, it was a big letdown. And, the, and personally, professionally, in the industry, I'm in New York. I've got a rep. Things are going well. Bam, I got no job. So I really did some soul searching there because the industry was imploding. Everything was gone. Every major retailer was shrinking their square footage of what they carried on titles on hand. The whole thing was just scary. I was looking in other places. I was looking at new media. Um, I landed a consulting job at VH1 for about 18 months. That was a really interesting experience. Um, you know, different media focus, different bosses. You know, I, I remember I had to fill out a form to get a form one time. It was just bananas. But <laughs> very interesting experience there. I had a lot of great elbow rubs. And then there was a new label, uh, relatively new. Um, the owner of Warp Tour, um, Kevin Lyman, and the owner of Concrete Marketing, a large metal con- or, or metal marketing firm in New York, formed a label. They called it Warcon. Warped and Concrete, Warcon. They, they had great acts on this label. They had about 10 when I started. I was hired as GM. Big job for me. Um, I come on. We got 10 projects in the hopper that have already been out. Uh, they did very well. We're coming up on sophomore records for about six titles. They were very important records for these bands. Uh, most, a lot of OC punk rock, a lot of Warp Tour, very specific, just awesome, forefront, on the edge, really good punk rock, not Blink stuff, like underground Warp Tour, great rock. We had great success there. Um, we were integrated into Warp Tour every tour. We, were, we had the tents, we were selling products. It was great. Um, Wall Street came in and bought that label. And it was like, oh my gosh, they bought, I forget the exact percentage. So Kevin of the Warp Tour and Bob kind of bowed out and Wall Street liked me and they wanted to keep me around. So I remained GM. I had a staff of 40. Within two years, we had a staff of 10. And I had to do the hatch, most of the hatchet. It's really difficult, and I let go of a lot of really cool people. Really, really cool. Uh, Wall Street continued to close the label, and the short story long is I turned the lights out at that label. So that was such a, again, a punch in the guts. I put my so much sweat equity. I love the label. Everybody else did too. It was the, you know, the punk rock ethos of indie, and just everything was working. So we turned out the lights there. I did have some consulting jobs at some very interesting places that I can't talk about publicly. But um, soon enough, I was able to find another job at Red Eye Distribution, which is a great, one of the best indie distribu- distributors in, on, the, on the planet. Um, 
They have probably 300 distributed labels. They hired me as global director of A&R. So finally a job that I really wish I had even early on was A&R, artist and repertoire. Those are the people that sign the bands, sign the labels, um, do all of the that work. Listen to demos, determine if it's worthy or not. Love the job, couldn't believe I had it. Um, they were based in Chapel Hill. I, was, I remained in Brooklyn, I worked from home. Um, I was going to and from every conference you can imagine, South By, you name it, uh, CMJ. Uh, I was their New York guy. They were a very busy label. And um, I signed Loud Wainwright. Uh, we won a Grammy for that. And they laid me off. And I just threw my hands up. I'm like, I, I said to one of the owners verbatim, you know, I'm your top sales guy, and I don't even do sales. I just sign people. And they laid me off, and they also laid off their IT guy and director of marketing same day, so it was like, oh boy. A lot of growing pains there. At that point, Cherise, I was done. All right, music business, boy, did you, I love you, but I have got to break up. So I opted to move. I, was, I always wanted to just, I knew so many friends from my days in Miami that were vagabonds that could just jump, go work for three months somewhere, and then just travel the globe. So I'm gonna move to Belize and open a pizza joint. I've been learning how to make pizza for about three months. I go down to Belize, I did this, I go there, and um, well, one, they already had enough pizza joints, and it was right on the tail end of 2009 where the economy really hit the bed. And um, so I came back from Belize, I came back to my parents' home in Carrollwood. I had no idea what chapter two was gonna be. I, started, I went down to the cultural center in Carrollwood and said, hey, what do you guys do here? They're, you know, they're teaching uh, all sorts of things, art. And um, I said, I'll teach drums. And they said, okay. So I brought down three drum sets, Jack Black style. We turned up Highway to Heck just so we could make everyone in that place leave. For two weeks straight, after those classes, everybody there wanted drum lessons. Um, and I said, you bet, uh, I will teach you drums. So I started private instruction and before I knew it, I had 25 drum students, and I'm, I opened um, a home over in Plantation, made one of it a, one of the rooms a drum studio. I taught 25 drum students. Um, I'll rush it along. This brings us to investors came knocking. They said, "What would you really like to do?" And it was open a full-blown music school, but not in a strip mall, not next to a karate shop. I want to be in a home like Hogwarts, like this big, giant, cool place that we do all this. So we did that, and it worked, and it was really fantastic, and I was so tickled by it. It was bananas. I lived in the master. There was a stage in the, in the uh, foyer. So we did that for two years. It worked. The HOA came knocking, housing authority. What are you, out of your mind? And I was, and I had to go. Well, I didn't want to go to a retail spot, and I did not have the resources to do so. So I did a Kickstarter campaign. 20,000, we raised $20,000. We were able to open this spot. We painted it up, made all the rooms, you know, guitar, vocal, drum-centric, band room. And uh, we've been doing this three years. We run about 80 students through here a week. We have four bands under management at any given time. And in the next three weeks, this whole space will be transformed into a music venue. Also, in addition to lessons, one part of the space will be called Shinebox. And that will be a news, new music venue that will be presented to Tampa. Holy moly, how'd I do? <laughs> wow. Take a breath. I did. 
I'm just I'm just thinking I'm just thinking about everything that you just said and there's a lot of lessons to be learned in the story that you just told about your 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 life. I mean, you've got perseverance there, you've got adapt adaptation. I mean, you've got a lot of um interesting things there and also we could probably have a whole discussion on the music industry itself how it's evolved through the years because like you said these record stores are, are no longer around uh, people are downloading music or streaming it so there's not a whole lot of ways for people to sell their their music other th- other than live acts and merch that's yeah, and true. and these meet and greet things that they're doing now for the bigger bands but uh, just everything that you talked about really is the evolution of the last 25 years or so of how it's been for you personally and also how unpredictable it could be even when you work your butt off and you do everything the right way. Sometimes, you know, crap happens. <laughs> well, <laughs> and you don't know why. There's, there's stuff going on behind the scene that you don't even know about, I'm sure. It's true. You know, and it's who you know and it's, it's there's just a lot of stuff and there's just a lot of lessons that I think people could maybe learn just from hearing your story. I, what do you think? You know, <laughs> without sounding like my head's bigger than Hillsborough County, yes, there are no, some really? I will say that my company bought Napster. So I was in the middle of the whole thing, watched as that com- eroded, slowly watched it erode retail. All big boxes said the heck with music. Used it as a loss leader. That was a huge. Indi- Best Buy was selling music at a, as a, at a loss just to get you to buy microwaves. That was a huge impact. I could go on and on about these things. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing is has totally evolved. And the thing is, um, with labels, we're seeing a lot of DIY now. A lot of bands are starting their own labels now that you can do Pro Tools at home and you have GarageBand and all this. Students are learning how to do that as well. Do, do you delve in any of that here as far as uh, production, like Pro Tools and stuff like that? Well, no, not exactly. We do, all of our bands ultimately will record. We have several pieces of vinyl here, but as far as teaching, production, recording processes, no. Um, we've considered it several times, and I have a feeling with the new live room uh, with Shinebox that we will most likely open that component of either live sound education um, and or live sound recording. We have to. We have several instructors here that are interested in teaching that. So I think it would be a natural. Um, I like the idea of the shine box because, to be honest, there's not a whole lot of venues. It seems as the music changed, venues went under too. Or, I mean, now you, okay, like, what, about a week and a half ago or so, um, Sick Hot performed at the brewery and that was a really cool venue they had a little stage and lights and everything but um i like the fact that you're offering a place where people can hear live music because there's nothing like live music and where people could see the kids and adults obviously right i mean that's true. In Tampa specifically, we've we've had a couple losses, and there's nothing. It when you're in this in the music sphere and you lose a venue, and I know a lot of people can contest. Is when we lost New World Brewery, that was a you know where do those 21 bands now play, right? They do three bands a night, seven days a week. Where do those 21 bands go? So we have um, 
we need more venues. Uh, yeah. So I, for me, this is a no-brainer, and I look forward to doing it. I can't wait. to the walls come down next week. There was one venue that I went to. It was near a skate park near Columbus. It was back, basically an industrial park. Yeah. And they had just like what would you call it a, a suite or whatever in an industrial park and i know they do this uh overseas too where they'll just take um an industrial park and people will put take lawn chairs and they won't even have a stage but they just play yeah. and and that's how it is so um i will we'll revisit a lot of these topics again in the future i'm sure i'll be talking to you again uh, any closing thoughts uh, or advice maybe for young up-and-coming bands? Well, let me think about that. Um, I'd like to say that as I'm, I'm doing some time here in Tampa, I, I don't know how long I will be here. I do know I'll be here for the next three years. I want to give every single thing I've ever learned uh, in music back to the people and the students, the young people, anyone involved in music. I want to give all of that back to them everything that's what this music academy is about we're teaching young people we're shaping the future of music and then with the live venue i want to bring that or make live venues or live music that more accessible to young people so with that said if you're a young person and you are looking or just have you see these music videos on television or whatever you watch for music entertainment you strive to be that person. There are places that you can go that will teach you to do that. I have one of them. Uh, it's in Carrollwood. It's called Jim Chambers Music Box. And come give it a go. Uh, don't let anyone prevent you from at least trying. And uh, it'll, it'll be a wonderful experience. Just out of curiosity, since actually we cover um, news internationally, do you do any kind of Skype lessons or do you do consulting or give advice or whatever via Skype, just out of curiosity? I do a lot of consulting, more professional level band consulting on Skype. Um, we, we tried lessons on Skype. We certainly can do them, but we, no, it's, it, I did a few. Um, but with bands, um, yeah, it's primarily Skype and I do a lot of consulting. Yeah. Okay. So, bands here you go <laughs> you can contact jim chambers for uh since he obviously was in the industry for many years yeah. uh maybe some consulting and you could be anywhere in the united states or you could be in the uk or whatever right yeah. <laughs> all right well thanks so much for yeah, uh joining rocket night all right i've had a blast doing this um i love your outfit not, not what you're wearing but what you guys do there and uh, thank you for coming to our show last week and being interested as you said in education and thank you thank you you're listening to rocket night